our city of Buckshell. Oh my God, I am so excited today. Today's the first, first and foremost, it's the very, very first podcast interview. I want to say interview, but let's say conversation that I've done in months on here because I felt like I wasn't getting that much out of some of the uh, interviewees that I brought on here. And so I stopped it. But you know what? Now I'm bringing on people with a story. And that's probably what's going to be the theme of this series for this specific podcast, because, again, I'm very, very excited to bring on this lovely individual. First and foremost, shout out to Lanita. Okay, her last name is very difficult to pronounce. But (laughs) shout out to Lanita. And you know what? Because she is the one that coaches these individuals. And then she ends up, you know, putting me into a group with them. So, again, I am unbelievably excited Oh, my God. Ebony is the name, <laughs> and she is here with us today. Thank you so much for joining us, Ebony. Oh, thank you for having me. Such a pleasure. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know what? Ebony, being right out of Australia, I'm so grateful because I love my Aussies. I have not been reaching out to my Aussies uh, enough. You know, it's been primarily, of course, Americans and British. But you know what? Boom, baby. We are here with the Aussies. Yes. You might very well be the first Australian that I've brought. Onto very huh. exciting, <laughs> very excited. <laughs> well, I'm honored. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. First time doing a podcast. I want you to tell the world who you are. Who I am? Okay, I like to keep busy. So I guess we'll start from square one. Um, I, you know, went to school like everyone else did, and um, didn't fit in. Like I'm, I'm sure we all can relate. We all don't fit in in certain ways. We all have our own trauma. I was bullied a lot um, in the first couple of years of high school. And then I just decided, you know what? It's not for me. So I stopped going, right? I'll go get my name knocked off and I stopped going. And then all of a sudden I just got mixed up in the wrong crowd and was doing things that was totally out of character because I had spent so many years numbing myself from these bullying, numbing myself from like childhood trauma that I started doing stuff to feel something like, you know, I was doing drugs, I was alcohol, I was skipping school, I was shoplifting, all of these crazy things that was totally out of character for me, but I was doing them because I wasn't feeling anything. I needed that adrenaline. I needed to feel alive. Like, And I guess I, at the same time, it was also a, a cry out for help, a cry out for attention. I wasn't getting noticed. I was a very, you know, middle-line student. I wasn't the top of the class. I wasn't the bottom. I was always respectful to my teachers. So they didn't really notice me. Like, I always sat middle line like and it was easy to fly under the radar and get mixed up in those crowds and not be noticed and um so high school was a tough few years for me it really really shook me it really you know didn't think I was going to make it had to repeat some subjects um in year 11 and 12 and you know it was a bit of a struggle there but um when I finished I was in quite a, a depressive state like I wasn't getting up out of bed I couldn't get a job and you know I was struggling a lot And I think it's a really common thing. I think, you know, it's really common. Like I can tell you, it's easier for me to tell you my friends that don't have depression or have never dealt with depression than it is to tell you the friends that have. Like the list is so long. It's so common. And I think that's kind of where I'm at. So I think it's so important that we target these issues. Like I'm going to go out at the moment. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm going out to speaking to the youth. And, you know, help motivate them because I've been through this trauma. I've lived through it. And, you know, I would have loved someone to come in and say, hey, you know what? 
this is how I've done it. This is what you need to do. And like, it's going to help get your wheels in motion because you know, I felt very alone. I have a great support network. I love my family and I can't like say anything bad about my mom and my stepdad and my sister. But you know, when you're in that state, you feel so alone and the people closest to you, they don't know how to help you all the time. They don't. Mm. So I think sometimes an outsider perspective and you're, I think, especially as a teenager, you're more inclined to listen to someone with an outsider's perspective because you go, oh, mum doesn't know what she's talking about. Like, she's never done this. <laughs> Even though she's gone through high school, everyone's gone through high school and they know how shit it is. But it's just that whole mindset, it's that outsider perspective. So that's where I want to come in and help the youth. Like, I want to, I want to give back because, you know, there was, I can remember one motivational speaker that came in who was actually a police officer and he came in and told his story about his girlfriend, um, a drug overdose at a party once and it really resonated with me. At the time, I thought, whatever, like, I didn't give a shit. I was already doing what I was doing and it, nothing changed. But obviously that stuck to me with me. I'm now 22 and I remember this story clear in my head. Like, that was a whole, you know, six years ago and that's resonated with me and I want to impact people in the same way because... Obviously, that had an impact on how I've changed. Like, I then after high school, got a corporate job and did really well for myself and realised that's not for me either. And I think that's the whole thing. Like, you're okay to change and, yeah, I feel like I just really rambled my whole life. Sorry to you, but, yeah, that, that's basically what I'm doing. <laughs> what Man, that's amazing. I'm glad. I'm glad you actually did that because that's what I like doing, taking people on a journey. And I can relate so much. So we're going to go back to that beginning. Um, so you said that you were bullied a lot and then you got into the wrong crowd. Yeah. So I don't know if this happened to me, but in the sixth grade, I did get into the wrong crowd. Now, I remember fifth grade, I was also at a very, very, very bad school. Um, all the boys just love to fight each other. It was like a tournament, a round robin tournament of fighting. Like, oh, everyone wants to fight him, but you have to beat him first. It was like the fight club. Right. I was able, I knew I was a good boy though. So I stayed yeah. away from all that garbage. And I never, right. luckily, I never had to defend myself in that school as yeah. bad as it was. Yeah. Going into the sixth grade, I started hanging around with, uh, let's just say, were like pretty bad students and i remember one's name was sergio and the more i hung around with him the more my grades had declined mm-hmm. and you know what he had a stepfather and mm-hmm. he had a mother and i never met them because they were always in their room so who knows what they were doing not in that type of sense but in a really negative dark yeah. type of sense you know what yeah. i mean and so um i remember that i had a wake-up call and luckily it was a teacher by the name of mrs bass and I went in. It was a great day. I had like a D in my first class, F in my class, went into, of course, third period uh, English class. And she was like, oh, it looks like you're doing bad in all your other classes. And right then and there, I realized this isn't who I am. And yeah. within probably a month and a half, I switched all those grades to B's and A's because yeah. I knew who I was then. Yeah. But when you were searching, I want to know, like when you went from being bullied to finding a group because you said you didn't fit in in high school. Mm-hmm. But when you went off and you started getting into all this craziness, mm-hmm. was it because like you were trying to find yourself or you were trying to fit in with other people or you were trying to look for people to 
love on you. Like Eric Thomas would say, he was like, hey, you know, some of these people who do drugs and they're in a game, they're loving mm-hmm. on your children more than you're mm-hmm. loving on them. Yeah. So what was that? I think it was more just, I don't know. I think at the same time, like I said, it was numbing, but it was also trying to feel something. I think it was a combination of both. I think it was just the excitement of like, you know, doing something out of the box, doing something that's like naughty, basically. Like that's something that's like, I don't know. It's that whole thing. Like, you know, when you jump out of an airplane, well, I haven't, but just metaphorically, like jumping out of an airplane is very exhilarating. Like, ooh, adrenaline's going. (laughs) (laughs) I I call that. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) um yeah it's um gets that energy pumping and things like that I think that was my whole thing like it was getting like trying to feel alive like I think it was um you know the first couple of years I have some really good girlfriends from high school and I love and adore them um but in the earlier years when I was hanging out with them and I was getting bullied it was kind of like a, a bit of a turn a blind eye sort of thing and we don't really talk about it then in the later years, when they started to knuckle down and really focus on their education, well, I was like, well, I don't want to be here. Like, everyone's got their head in their books and stuff like that, which was fair enough. But I was like, that's not me. I struggled at school. I struggled the whole way through school. Reading and writing doesn't come easy to me. So it was a lot easier for me to go sit in the park and do whatever I was doing because that was the easy option. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was a lot easier to fall into that crowd and not try. It was like... I didn't believe in myself, so it was easier to give up. That was ultimately what I was doing. Mm, okay. And, and like, in terms of family support, I'm guessing you were, you were one of those, you were kind of like me. Like, my mom, she didn't know much about, like, the father figure type of things that he would have to fulfill those roles, but he never was around. Mm. My mom, you know, she allowed us to just find ourselves Mm. And luckily, out of all four students, we knew what was right from what was wrong, except my older brother. After he graduated high school, he started hanging around with a bunch of loser ass people, just as you were. You know, they would always smoke weed and do this and do this. Mm. And I'm like, oh, my God, my mom is allowing this. But nonetheless, you know, she doesn't know much, uh, you you know, in that realm of everything. So did your parents say, you know, were they around when you said, you know what, I'm dropping out of high school? You were the one that made that decision. Of course, they didn't influence it. Yeah, like, it wasn't that I dropped out of high school. I was still enrolled, right? I was just, and I would go and get my name marked off, but I just wouldn't go to class sort of thing. They knew that I was doing that. They they knew that I was doing that, but they didn't know what I was going to do, right? It was kind of that whole blind eye thing. It was like, we didn't really want to know because it's tough. Like, I can imagine it's tough. You don't want to know what they're up to. And, like, I think, if they tried to be like, no, you have to go to school. No, you have to do this. I would have just gone the complete opposite way and I would have gone further off the rails, right? So it was that finding that dancing around, finding that medium ground between the two of us, or between me and my parents, like, um, yeah, of, I guess finding, I don't know, this space where I could do what I wanted but also within guidelines. And I think the whole thing was at home, I kind of appeared to have a normal life. Like I just came home when I would have finished school and I ate my dinner and went to bed and it wasn't like I was creating a big thing. I think that was the whole thing. I think most of the people in my life had no idea what I was up to. 
had no idea like where I was going and what I was doing. And I think still to this day, like I, I feel like people still don't know, you know, what I was doing in those in high school in those days. Like it's I had this whole facade that, you know, I was a normal student going to school. My teachers didn't know, you know, it was like, yeah, it, it, I guess, yeah, I put on this forefront for what I wanted people to see. And then I had this whole thing happening in the background where I was tearing myself apart, self-destructing and, yeah, and I don't know, it, it's, yeah. Right. Wow. So I can only imagine. Um it's kind of like my experience out here in Thailand. You know what I mean? <laughs> like my family, I don't know if they're watching me. They're watching me from afar, probably on Facebook and everything I'm doing. And I'm like, yeah. good, you keep watching, keep watching, keep watching. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm doing this all without you guys. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And the thing is, if I had them, I probably would be about 30 steps back. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. it's constant complaining, constant I need money, it's constant this, it's constant that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So yeah. nonetheless... I know that you experienced a lot of loneliness. And then when you finally graduated mm-hmm. from high school, you said you were in a depressive state. And yeah. Was this depressive state? It was just environmental. It was friends, family, not knowing what you were doing. What, what was that? Yeah. So it was a lot of not knowing what I was doing. Right. So school gave me this. You got to go to this place every single day. Once that's finished, you, don't go, you got nowhere to go. I was going to hang out with these people at schools that were bad influences. Once I didn't have to hang around at them anymore, once I didn't have to have this tough act anymore at school and, you know, hang out with certain people and I didn't want to hang out with them anymore. They weren't serving me. They weren't providing me with anything good. They were making me feel shit. I was, you know, doing shit that wasn't me, basically. So I kind of fell into this state where I was like, shit, I don't know what I want to do. I'm now, you know... 17, graduated, and I'm supposed to have my whole career sorted out. And I was like, well, I don't have a fucking idea what I'm doing. <laughs> like, And, like, to be honest, I still don't know what I'm doing. But, you know, it's that whole mindset. I was, I felt like my whole world just, like, completely changed and I had no control over it. I was like, I've been fighting and fighting and fighting for my freedom when I was in high school. Didn't want to go to school because I wanted to be free. I wanted to do what I wanted. And then I finished school and I was like, shit, I don't know what I want to do with my free time. I was like lucky enough that I, um, you know, had someone who, who got me a job six months later and that kind of pulled me out of that state, got me getting up to go somewhere every morning and that got me motivated again. And, you know, I worked really hard at the job and created a vision and wanted to grow within the company and everything like that. It was a big corporate role and, and I was doing really well for myself for two years or so. And then I realised this isn't actually me either. I just realised that I fell into that same habit of school, right? Someone told me where to go and I was only going there because I had to, right? And, like, I guess that's the whole thing. Like, I then went travelling for two years on and off. I came home for a couple months in between here and there. But I didn't have a job for two years. And it was the best freaking two years of my life because I actually did what I wanted. I can remember one morning when I was sitting in um, a little town in Spain and um, actually it was called Granada and I was sitting there in the hostel. I had checked out and the people had been come up to me and been like, so you've extended your booking like, you know, three days. Every day you come in, want to extend, you want to extend. Today you're extending and I was like, I don't really know. 
I don't know. I don't know where I'm going. I said, where does the bus go to? Where does the next bus go to? You tell me the next bus. And I said, how much does that cost? Okay, no worries. All right, what about the bus after that? Well, how much does that cost? All right, no worries. And I just made a decision and I just went to the next town. I just hopped on a bus and went. Like, it was like I had full control over my life. I could have sat in that cafe all day if I wanted to. I could have jumped on the next bus if I wanted it. One after that, no one was telling me what to do. And that was the most empowering thing of my entire life. Like, like it, it was just life-changing to sit there and realise, shit, I am really in control for once. No one's telling me where to go. And right when you started making decisions on your own, I think there was a massive paradigm shift within your mind saying to yourself, you know what? I've been always doing what these people told me to do and what they told me to do and what the, what the society tells me to do. But now I'm in Granada. This lady over here at, or man, whatever, asked me about going to another place and you know, what are you doing? You keep extending your stays. And you say, you know what? Let me just hop on this bus. Where does the next bus go? Where does this go? You started making decisions, and while you were making those decisions, you started discovering possibly the true life. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's exactly what happened with me when I made a decision without consulting my family by traveling to Australia for the first time mm-hmm. at the age of twenty-one. They mm-hmm. thought I was be- they thought I was beyond, and they thought I was insane. <laughs> was that the greatest single decision I've ever made in my life? Absolutely. Every decision yeah. I've made has been phenomenal. You know, going back to America for a year, but then that set me up in terms of coming to here, you know, coming here to Thailand. So many different things, right? Yeah. yeah. So, um, nonetheless, wow. So, <laughs> you feel, what was that self-discovery that started out there in Spain, yeah? Yeah, well, I mean, like, I had been traveling before that, and I guess, like, I had always had that freedom. So, I basically... The way that I got on my travel path was I went on four weeks, weeks annual leave to Mexico and Cuba when I had my corporate job. And the day I got back to the office, I quit my job within an hour of being back there. I was like, no, I'm done with you guys. I'm out of How'd here. How'd you do it? How'd you do it? How'd you do it? Tell me. So, so I was on a secondment. So once that ended, I was going to go back to my previous role. And I was like, I don't want to go back to my previous role. I don't even like the role I'm in. Like. So I was just like, I just made a like split moment decision. And I was just like, you know what? This isn't for me. Like, I, I'm done. And they were like, so is this like your formal month notice? And I was like, yep, I'll put it in writing after this email, after this meeting. And I was like, they're like, okay, um, are you sure? And like the whole week they were like, are you sure? Like, it's okay if you don't want, like, if you want to withdraw. Like, no, nah, I, I, I want to quit. This is it. So I, I did my month out and then I... Again, I sat around for a month because I was like, holy shit, because I just quit my job. I was getting pretty freaking good money for 19 years old. And I was like, what am I going to do? What have I just done? And I don't know. I sat there for a while. I sat there maybe a month or two months and I just, you know, I felt pretty shit. And um, then one day I just woke up and I booked a flight a week later and I, I had a one-way ticket to, to um, Malaysia and I went to Malaysia for a couple of days, went to Kuala Lumpur, jumped on a flight, went to Thailand for a couple of days, went to Vietnam for a few weeks and just kept traveling and traveling and traveling from there. Like, yeah, it was, it's crazy. It was like so liberating to be able to do that and like, you know, had 
shit tons of money saved up. I was very thankful that I, I was good with my money and I was, I had that freedom then. And it was just, I don't know, it was it like I was able to travel for so long because I just enjoyed that freedom. That was basically what kept me going. I was like, I don't want to go home and have another boring job. Like, I was like, I'm not going home till I figure this out. Like, and I, I guess I'm still figuring it out, right? It's never, you never have it all figured out, but you know, I have a bit more of a direction. Like I want to help people. I want to make a difference. I don't want to sit in a freaking corporate job earning money because that's what everyone else does. Like, I'm not like everyone else. Absolutely. Like, yeah. So making the decision, having a liberating, you know, life of traveling and whatnot, was there anything during those travels that you learned? Like, you like end up finding out a lot. Well, obviously, yeah, coming to Thailand, you probably already learned 5,000 things. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, was it, when you, after going to Vietnam, Malaysia, uh, Thai, you know, coming here to Thailand, you went back home at some point yes and, and were you like okay you you still probably would didn't find your purpose you're still trying to figure out things now but you know your purpose is to help the youth because you went through that yeah so, yeah yeah tell me yeah so after that whole asia experience i came back for a month and again i was like what the hell am i doing literally i was home uh, for a month a month 40 days i think to be exact and I had another flight and I went out again. I was like, I am not ready for this. And I traveled again, went to Sri Lanka for a month, came back again, got another job, three months. I was there for three months. And I was like, I am not ready for this. <laughs> went over again. I went to um, Europe for six months. And that's when I think really Europe really started to change me. Stuff started to really click there. Like the whole Granada experience, the whole, there was so many awakening points where, I was just like, okay, this is what I need. Like, I, I don't know. I just, something clicked there and then I came back. And ever since then, I've been back in Australia for just under a year. I was back last November. Um, And since then, I've had a part-time job and I've just basically been working on my own shit, just building what I want to be doing. I've been in this personal development space. I've been, you know, went to a week in Bali to this um, amazing event and that was such an awakening. That's where you met Lanita. Exactly right. Exactly right. And it awoke something in me. And since then I've been stirring, I've been searching for what I've been trying to do. So I've done a lot of healing in myself the first six months that I was back. And then since that um, Bali event and since I've been, like, working with Lanita, that now it's like, all right, I've, I've, of course, haven't healed myself, but I've done a lot of work on myself, a real, real lot of work on myself that I'm like, okay, I understand this work now. I'm ready to start sharing it, you know? Like, I'm ready to start giving back. (laughs) It's just like with me. Again, you... It could be an event that could change your life forever. You met Lenita. You were there. Then you were like, oh, my God, I'm starting to feel. Now, Ebony, you're 22. Yeah. You're, you're a baby. See, and <laughs> so now what, what we have to do, you are a baby amongst babies. Okay? <laughs> so, shit, look, I'm, I'm 31. Look at my hair. <laughs> already 31. Gone. So, okay. <laughs> I know. I know at the, at the age you're at, no wonder you're trying to figure things out because you're 22. When I was 22... When I was 22, what was I doing? I was working at the shittiest dental office ever. That was the last worst year of my life because yeah. it was just dull. There was nothing exciting about my life. 
Yeah. I was just working at an office in 2010 after I had graduated, you know, graduated with my dental assisting certificate. Mm. And yeah, okay, now let me go clean up saliva and shit for the rest of my life. <laughs> God damn. Yeah. You can imagine yeah. that was the last worst year of my life. So yeah. when it comes to finding the purpose, like me, mm. personal development. Why? Because yeah. I went through a lot of things in this country. Then I yeah. said, oh, well, this guy, mentor, Eddie, not necessarily a mentor, but I look at him as a mentor. He's doing amazing things in Ireland now. Yeah. Irish teacher, right? Not yeah. English teacher. Uh, but he said, you have a radio voice. I said, okay, all right, I'm doing personal development. Clip both and both together. Let me create a podcast. I started yeah. talking my experiences. No one yeah. was listening to me for like the first year and a half, you know, yeah. but then things started changing. And then yeah. I started discovering even more things. ESL, do this, do this, do this, do. And then it was like, to this day, it is still multiplying. Like it's even more. It's like 16 times, you know? So at the age of 22, do you feel, do you put, do you place blame on the school system for, for, for not developing individuals to find their purpose at a very young age, or maybe it's even, but listen, I didn't know my purpose until, I don't know, maybe last year or this year, mm-hmm. you yeah, know, yeah. but I figured yeah. out that learning these different skills, I could utilize them and I could become more of an asset to companies yeah. than just being someone who, Oh, I come here and I do this. It's not good. Yes. You got to do yeah. a lot more than that. So, do you think the school system, they don't prepare students? And is that what you're doing with personal development and helping uh, the youth? Yeah, look, I don't place blame on them. They're doing what they have to do. They're doing what they've been taught to do, right? But the thing is, we're not prepared for the real world. I wasn't prepared at 17 to leave and, you know, get a job. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. I And that's why I went into the dis- dis- um, depression state. Like, I was lost I was I didn't know what I wanted to do but I think that's where the goals come in you need to start trying things right I didn't over the last two three five years that I have finished school I have tried so many different things to get me to this point right but school you don't really get to try too much do you you learn your English you learn your math your science and you have a couple of extracurriculum things which are all fun and games, but you don't really take them too seriously. And I think that's the whole thing. Like if we were told to go out, try everything, try absolutely everything, we would find our purpose a whole lot easier. But we're told go to school and get a university degree. And don't get me wrong, that works for some people. That works amazingly for some people. But that's not one size fits all. School is made for one size fits all and it's not like that. It shouldn't be like that. We're not all one size. Like... We all think outside of the box. We all, you know, and I guess that's why I want to go into schools and be like, hey, you know what? You might be struggling here. It doesn't mean you're going to be shit in the real world. You might actually be an even bigger success than the people that are beating you right now. Like, that's my whole thing. Like, keep going, be resistant, be resilient. Like, um, yeah, be resilient and, like, just keep pushing through. Like, these years are going to be tough. They're going to be tough, right, while you're in high school. But if you get through them, you're going to be so much more stronger. Like, that's the whole thing, right? Lenita told me a very valuable lesson. She told me the biggest, the biggest test you'll ever take is on yourself. 
That's what you're always working towards. You're always studying. You're always working towards improving yourself and like keep going. And like, that's my message, right? Keep going. Keep working yourself. Keep making yourself better. That's a bit like, that is your test in life to improve yourself. There's nothing else to it. Right. Gamble on yourself. You know what I mean? Place the biggest bet on yourself. Don't bet on anyone else. Bet on yourself. So, um, what is it? Probably two more things. What I wanted to ask you was during your darkest moments of your life, and we've all been there, me four years ago, you know, me, but, but back in Australia at one point, because I felt like I couldn't fit in, lots of things. What were some things that made you realize, oh my God, God damn, this shit ain't me, and you hurry up and you got out? What were some things that helped you? Yeah, I think like really when you hit that rock bottom where you can't motivate yourself to get out of bed, you can't motivate yourself to go eat like I think that's where like it was really like this isn't me I don't want to I don't what like what's the purpose of this like it's not it's not helping me I feel like crap like you know and I think that was the whole thing like it was a big thing about changing my mindset changing my environment changing who I was associating with and who I you know was yeah hanging around with basically and where I was hanging around and once I changed all those little things tweaked it just just slightly it just all of those little things added up to a big thing right like yeah it made a big difference and like my whole mindset shifted and I was like yep I'm ready to start doing shit I'm ready to start changing that's what I do on a monthly basis with the will of life. The will of life mm. I took out of, what is this, uh, Graham Harold. He is a meditate, like a hypnotist or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still, I listened to his meditation before I woke up this morning, you know, which yeah, is yeah. funny. Um, but he has a will of life, eight categories. It could be 10, yeah. it could be 12, whatever it may be. But I remember I've made massive decisions predicated on those categories. So let's put it this way, physical environment. This is what you've Mm -hmm. been through. This obviously associates with the friends that you were, you know, and the groups that you were with at the time. On a scale one through 10, you were probably rock bottom at a one at one point. You said, Mm -hmm. fuck all this. You know, that's what happened to me two years ago at my workplace when I was getting, you know, you know, chastised chastised and criticized by this 565,000 year old man. And I'm just like, I'm looking at him and I'm like, man, what? what, what?" I went home. I did the will of life. I put two and a half yeah like even where i was living and my workplace i literally got onto a website figured out like found three condominiums hurry up did an interview boom okay boom i'm here (laughs) one month later i fucking moved out i quit that job literally one month later too yeah 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 so auditing the categories not just your yes the friends especially that you're around but your environment are you content with where you live it's where you work, the people who you're around, your family. Yeah. If not, I'm not saying dump off the family, but reduce the amount no. of exposure you have with them. Exactly right. It's just about controlling and taking control of your life, right? Like you're in control. If someone in your family is toxic, show them respect, of course. Show them love and compassion, yes. But don't let them take up your time. Don't let them take up your time. Like if someone isn't serving you in a positive way, then don't let them consume your life. Don't let your life revolve around their life. Your life has to revolve around you, right? 
Oh my God. I, I got to put that as a quote. Your life has to revolve around you. You know what sucks, man? I got this little pink thing and there's nothing on it. It's like, don't have my pen around me. <laughs> but nonetheless, I, I want to start taking notes like Luke. Luke is another guy I do motivational mentors with and he gets all these quotes and it's all nice. And I'm like, <laughs> you, Luke. Anyway, <laughs> I love it now because at the age of 22, don't let anyone tell you that you can't be something. Like the, the likes yeah. of Gary Vee. He's like, yeah. how the hell is someone at the age of 20 or 22 going to tell, you know, tell you about life and this? I'm like, oh, mm. trust me. Pe- women who have been through rape in Ghana, Sierra Leone, and other places in Africa mm. can be more of a mentor than you, Gary. It mm. doesn't matter how old you are. It's what you've been through and what your purpose is in trying to help other people. Exactly so right. I just love, Yeah. Yeah, and I think that I actually heard something today. It was everyone's gone through trauma, and it's so true, right? You've never met anyone who hasn't had a traumatic experience in one way or another, and it's just how you use that trauma to then shape the rest of your life. You can use that trauma and sulk and feel sorry for yourself and poor me, poor me, or you can use that to empower yourself and mentor people and help other people out of these situations. It's just how you want to use it, like, it's just that whole, like, it goes back to mindset, right? Right. Like, use these things and learn from them. Like, yes, it's shit. Yes, like, it's not great that these things happen to us. But 90% of the time, it's out of our control and they have happened to us. And we need to love and accept that situation and move forward. Right. And that's what makes us. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, this process, this journey... The things that have happened to me in this country, they no longer happen to me because I've, a- I've asked myself to forgive myself Yeah. for judging yeah. myself. I've yeah. asked myself to, fo- I wish I have a pen. I've asked <laughs> myself to forgive myself to stop judging myself. Yeah. It's yeah. 20 years of biochemistry and what America has taught me to be just the color in the American fabric. I yeah. said enough is enough. I'm going to forgive myself for calling myself all these bullshit ass names. Yeah. It's also part of that chemistry. I'm not successful in spite of it. I'm successful because of it. Because of it. Exactly right. And that's like a big thing for me. Like I'm still working on the whole forgiveness thing. As I haven't forgiven myself. I still, you know, have judgments on myself. I still, you know, have these moments of weakness and still have, why do (laughs) And why did I do um, do those things when I was younger? Like I still have trouble dealing with these situations, but it's allowing myself, okay, it's happened, accept it. And that's the first stage of forgiveness, accepting what's happened. And it's like moving through that. And we keep having to learn how to forgive ourselves. Might forgive ourselves for one thing. The next thing comes up and you're going to forgive yourself all over again. That's right. That's right. Oh, man, I love it. Ebony, you know, the last question I want to give you is the impact that you want to have on the youth. You going into schools, you doing some of the the amazing things that you're going to start doing at such a young age. I love it because you have you are way more level headed than I was at 22. (laughs) I was still I was still cleaning up saliva. Like, (laughs) no, you are kind of on the route of knowing what you want to do. So what's the impact you want to have on, you know, younger children? Is it like everyone in general or is it the ones that have gone through hardships? What is it that you're trying to do? Look, I'm probably speaking to later teens that are probably going through these harder times. That's that's who my message is targeted towards. 
I am open to whoever's accepting it. <laughs> but <laughs> that too, my message is targeted towards these leader teams that are going through their, their hardship through, you know, the end of their schooling years, trying to figure out what they want to do. And if I just inspire one person to take action of their life, to take ownership of their life, then my job is done. That's it. That's all I need. Like, that's all I want to do is just one person to go, okay, yep, these things that have happened to me, they're shit, but I can take action from here. I'm not feeling sorry for myself anymore because that's what needs to happen. Like, we need to take action, right? Like, right. I don't know. I think, I think if we can all... They're our future, basically. They're, they're our future, right? So Absolutely. there's so many things that are, are wrong in this world and so many things that are on the news and stuff. And if we don't educate them, if we don't motivate them, if we don't nurture that love, show them compassion, forgive them, they are not going to be able to change the world. We need to, you know, we need to inspire them so they can change the world. Absolutely. Yeah. With the environmental cri- you know, crisis and everything that's happening around the world, we need thinkers. Exactly. We don't right. need like robots anymore. The robots, they're going to handle a lot of our dirty work now. We Absolutely. need thinkers. We need entrepreneurs. We need philosophers. So I'm so, so grateful for you, man. Thank you, Ebony, for sharing this message. You know what? For anyone who's interested in, I, I know you don't have any pages or anything set up just yet. You know, I saw some of your photos. I was like, I don't know. You know, she's doing the posing. Yeah, it's coming. It's coming. It's coming. Okay, so I'm going to keep everyone updated then. Okay, I'm going to keep everyone updated. Ebony still has to create her brand, her logo. My website's coming. It will be up in about a week or so. It's ebonylouise.com. It's coming very soon. I'll make sure I write that down. I'll make sure I put that. You make sure you let me know so I can put it in the description. I will. This might be launching in about five days. Yeah. So people who are watching this. TikTok, TikTok. Yeah, TikTok, TikTok. And so by next week, everyone who loves this, right, go into the description and check out what Ebony is doing. Oh, man. Ebony, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Absolutely. It's been an absolute pleasure. <laughs> You're very welcome. And again, for everyone who is like this, make sure you share this away. Make sure, I don't know if you're watching this on YouTube, if you're watching this on Instagram, if you're watching this over there, over there. I have no idea. <laughs> but again, Ebony, your time has been much appreciated. And you know what? Here is a toast to you finding yourself who travels through so many different things and overcoming the the craziness that all of us do and you know unfortunately a lot of people they don't you know here in asia the suicide rates and whatnot you know they just Mm. they they don't know how to forgive themselves for everything that has happened um but you know this is a big step forward in the direction of handling bullying and all those other things that we the traumatic experiences that human beings normally go through. So again, it's trying to figure out all the breadcrumbs, figuring out what happened, what could be learned from it, and now inspiring people for when they possibly go through those situations. This is when that niche market can be developed. It's giving them the tools, right? So when they go through it, because it's inevitable, like everyone's going to go through it, right? But it's having the tools to bounce back. That's what it's all about. 
Right. And so, guys, take this message with you today. Again, Ebony, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, that is the end of this episode of the Arsenio Buck Show.com. Or, no, the Arsenio Buck Show Podcast.com. <laughs> That'll be, yeah, the everything else. But nonetheless, guys, stay tuned for more. I'm your host, as always, over and out.